0: Welcome to Grow Up, a podcast about healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child in front of us. I'm Amy, your host, and we are back for episode number two. Can't believe it. It's kind of wild that this is even still a thing, but here we are, and I'm ready to get rolling on this episode for everybody. It was so nice to hear the feedback last time from episode number one and talk to so many listeners out there about your own experiences and just to feel that sense of community around everything that we talked about on episode one. So thank you so much for those of you, even if it was just a DM or, uh, you know, a little message on a story that I posted or something like that, I truly, truly, truly appreciate that from everybody. So please never feel hesitant to reach out, um, especially in these early episodes where I'm still trying to figure out kind of where we're landing with everything and make sure that everything feels relevant to all of the listeners. So just so excited to hear from you and get to know everybody a little bit better. So thank you so, so much for all the positive feedback last time that really meant the world to me. Um, Life has just been nonstop over here. As I'm sure it's been for many of you listening, it is nearing the end of the summer and back to school time for those of you that are in that age bracket with your children or maybe teachers that are heading back to to work. um, Even now that things are opening more with the pandemic, people are heading back to their workplaces and it just feels like we're kind of in this like limbo, this like time of shifting, almost like this time of like did we do enough, you know, like almost like retrospect on the whole summer and figuring out how that went for everybody. And it's just, yeah, it's been kind of an interesting time. And I feel like everything's been happening so fast around here. Um, I know last time I was on the podcast with everybody, um, I was talking about my son's birthday. So I now have a four-year-old and that's just still really hard to wrap my head around, to be honest. Um What everyone says is true, and I absolutely hate it because I hate those cliche things. But I guess there's a reason that they exist, right? You know, everyone says don't blink. They grow up so fast. But you know, honestly, it it's true. It's like I feel like I just brought a baby home from the hospital, and now I have a four year old. Um, He's starting pre K in a couple weeks, um, which will be really interesting too to to kind of start that new chapter for him. And yeah, I guess maybe the feeling of not realizing I have an older child and still feeling like I should have a baby is just the kind of growth that you do as a parent. And I feel like I should be farther along or something. Like I should know more or be better, quote unquote, better at this by now. But um, yeah, I just feel sometimes like... It's all a whirlwind, and I still have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Um, So shout out to all my hot mess parents out there that still are like, what is going on? Because that's me pretty much on the regular with him. Um, But that's the kind of kid I have, too. It's the kind of child that keeps you on your toes and spices up life. And, you know, we're lucky enough to have that. So yeah, so we're heading back to school. He's going to pre-K, had his birthday. Um, We actually had a small outside birthday party for him also. And for those of you that are listening that know us in real life, it won't come as a surprise to you. But for everybody who doesn't know us, um, my son is into all things Halloween and all things spooky and has been, honestly, for as long as I can remember. I remember him being like, I don't know nine months old or so and having him in the shopping cart during like Halloween time and just watching him like light up to see pumpkins and like jack-o'-lanterns and decorations and he loved going to like Michael's to see all the decorations in the craft store um so yeah he's always loved Halloween it's it's been his jam for a while and as he's gotten older it's been really fun because to see him get into Halloween and dressing up and he loves costumes and Um, We play like Haunted House and stuff. I mean, we probably pretend Halloween or something involving Halloween like every single day. Um, So it comes as no surprise that for his birthday, he requested a Halloween-themed birthday (laughs) at the end of August. And of course, it was a costume party. And everyone who showed up were such troopers because in Michigan, we've had, I don't know, kind of a weird kind of a weird summer, I guess. Um, The weather's just been really all over the board. I mean, it wasn't super warm for a while, and then it kind of heated up, but it wasn't too hot, not super sunny. We've had a lot of rain, like wind and lots of storms, just kind of odd. And so we were totally taking a gamble to have this costume party outside at the, you know, mid to late August. And it was 90 something degrees on the day of his party. And people still showed up in costume. Everyone was in good spirits. Um, Everything was melting. Like, let me just tell you, in fact, my grandpa asked me like, is that an ice cream cake? Like thinking that I left the, the cake, ice cream cake of all things sitting out, you know, in sunlight on a 90 degree day. No, it was a regular ass cake. And it was just straight up melting off the table, like pouring off the table with the frosting and my awesome brother-in-law was like oh I thought that was like supposed to be like that like it was kind of like creepy (laughs) it was just it was hilarious we had candy sitting out to trick or treat and like all the chocolate was just melted it just what a memory it's gonna it's gonna be one for the books for sure so yeah we had a halloween themed birthday party that we are still recovering from and um yeah it was it was awesome so that's where we've been. But uh, last episode, I kind of touched on just expectations and different preconceived notions that I had around parenthood. And that seemed to be a huge um, connecting point with a lot of people that reached out. So I think today for the podcast, we're just going to talk a little bit about expectations and um, specifically with parenthood. But I think even those of you out there who are not parents or you know are hoping to be parents one day. Or maybe your parents or your children are grown and you're just listening in retrospect. I think we all can still get something out of this conversation about expectations because I know that it affects everybody in some way, shape, or form. So to lead off the conversation, I should say that something that always helps me with expectations is something that an old friend of mine pointed out to me years ago. And that is when we say the word should. Um, should is always an indicator to me that I'm kind of living in expectation land and that it might not be in alignment with what I want to do deep down or what I feel like is right or feel like is right for me. Um, I'm holding myself to some standard that doesn't feel authentic. Um, Maybe I'm sacrificing as a classic people pleaser, I'm sacrificing my own wants and needs for something that you know, society or maybe my upbringing has put pressure on me about. So I just wanted to put that out there that, you know, when you're going through something and you're hearing yourself say should, the word should, I think that it's definitely a point where you should get curious about what's going on in your head. Because I would guess nine times out of 10, there's something more going on. And that the expectation is, you know, kind of looming over your head and influencing maybe what you truly want to do deep down. So that for me has always been like a nice check-in. Oh, I should say also, as I'm getting into this whole talk, I have to plug, of course, how you can reach out and get in touch with me if any of this stuff is resonating with you about expectations or anything we talk about during this podcast or maybe even something we don't talk about and you want to talk about, um, please, please, please reach out to me. Um, the Instagram handle is grow.up.ig and you can always shoot me an email on my Gmail account at thegrowuppod@gmail.com at gmail.com. So again if anything resonates please reach out so i think i can go back to what i talked about in the first episode and i was talking a little bit about how my identity growing up as a woman centered around my idea of becoming a mother i think that's something that unfortunately gets de- you know deeply deeply ingrained in young girls and um, somehow, maybe not so much for little boys, but deeply for little girls, and I think you grow up um, of course if that's a desire of yours, that's wonderful but I think for me, it really as I grew up, I realized how much I had based, or maybe stunted some of my other growth in areas because I was holding out for this dream that I made you know, as a child, that was a totally different version of myself as the person that was living it as an adult and um, Early on, I think I loved, you know, playing house and baby dolls and all that stuff. My mom um, is a stay or was at that point a stay at home mother to the three of us kids, and was by all accounts, she was super mom, um, you know, did it all and made it look enjoyable and easy. Um, even if that wasn't the case, that's how it seemed to me as a child growing up. And I think I just really idolized that. And I think I saw myself taking on that same role. I've always been a nurturer and a caretaker. And I think just by default as a middle child, you get kind of pigeonholed into that role of peacemaking and caring for others, um, being you know the baby to some, but also the older sibling to others. And I think... You know, watching my mom take care of my little sister and having to be responsible for my little sister at different points in my life, um, I definitely identified with that mothering role. And I think it became and still to this day actually is um, kind of a defining personality trait for myself. Um, I also grew up babysitting. That was my means of income when I was, you know, a teen up to an early adult. And then actually before I became a hairstylist, I taught dancing and I taught as young as two and a half all the way up through, you know, adult classes. So I think, again, like just being around children, connecting with children, um, all of that. And I think when you are a teacher of sorts, you do have that kind of secondary role as caretaker and mother um, even if they're not your own children. So I think growing up, I just, it was what defined me. I enjoyed being around children. I was good at it. I knew that I was good at it. I had the energy for it. I had the personality for it. And, um, yeah, I just kind of thought that transitioning into the motherhood role would be so different, so much easier and so much different than it actually has been for me. Um, and again, like I thought, I wanted three or four kids, and we've made the decision over the last year or so to really solidify um, the fact that we're only having my son, and we're not going to have any other children. I know for listeners out there that um, are struggling with infertility or things like that, it's it's the same thing, and in, in the way that you are kind of picturing one thing in your reality is is currently something else. So. It's kind of like this weird limbo with these expectations all around family size. Um, I think in some ways, especially speaking just as a woman and as a mother, I think that sometimes you almost qualify yourself in your ability to like produce children or be good at being a caretaker because there's so much pressure in our society with the binary you know, male and female situation that we have, especially in the States, that... You know, makes you feel like you're more of a woman if you're able to do these things, or maybe you're less of one if you're not, or if you don't want those things, um, which I think is a conversation that there's so much to, and I think it needs to change. I think that that's, you know, and why can't it be for men? Why can't, like, I know for my son, like, he has baby dolls, and um, he has his little lovey blanket, and I mean, anytime he was nurturing something, we would always, you know, encourage it and say, "Oh, you're such a good daddy. You're being the dad, and you know, you're you're so caring." And I think those are things that we can definitely nurture, regardless of gender. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm starting off here is just realizing that um, that expectation I placed on myself at a young age to be this super mom and. And kind of as I've grown up and I'm reacting to my life in real time, I'm realizing that what I thought maybe isn't, and I have to break up with some of those past ex- uh, expectations in order to, you know, be fully present in my life now and realize that it's not a good or bad; it's just different. Um, so often, my husband and I joke about parenthood and I always tell him that parenthood is essentially just letting go of something and lowering your expectations until something fits <laughs> and I hope for those of you that are parents out there or maybe even like I don't know possibly even like animal parents I'm sure if you have a puppy it's like the same thing it's like you know you you just have to keep going back to the drawing board and deciding like is this really what I'm clinging to right now? Is this really how it's gonna be? Cause all you do is like put yourself in this state of of you know, the reality is not lining up with your expectation and you're like punishing yourself. So essentially the more you can let go of and the more you can just get real with it. And let go of those expectations, the easier your whole journey is going to be. Um, it gets you really, really clear on those have-to situations. So this is like a an everyday occurrence with my son. He, from the get-go, and honestly, I could even trace it back to pregnancy, has never been one to go quietly. He is um, constantly keeping us on our toes, constantly challenging, um, just our, what Tom, my husband, Tom and I thought, you know, or think we should be doing or how we should be doing things. And he's like the reminder that, um, everything doesn't go that way, that your expectations are just that, their thoughts and expectations. And then the reality is something totally different. Um, A couple things more recently is um, I know I touched on, I think last episode, that uh, my son is what you call a sensory seeker. Um, They say it's sensory processing disorder, which just essentially means that he requires a ton of sensory input, um, which relates to your five senses, you know, any input to your five senses to keep him regulated. So he is somebody that needs like everything on max you know, volume, if you will, to keep him feeling, you know, satisfied. And so just raising a child with, you know, extra needs has been a journey in and of itself, right? It's something that we didn't foresee, you know, when you picture your future, you don't see your individual child, you don't know the kind of things that they're bringing to the table. And it's so Interesting to start out with a set of expectations of how you will be as a parent, how your kids will be, the kind of memories you'll make in the day-to-day life and how that's going to look. And then all of a sudden you're in it and you're like, this is not what I pictured. This is not um, the kind of mom I thought I was going to be. This is not the kind of child I thought I was going to have. Um, So one thing with my son, and I attribute it to his sensory needs, but I guess who knows, um, is he... Absolutely loves to be naked. <laughs> um, so that has been something, and it's not—it's not a good or a bad thing. I mean, really, who cares? But I just laugh because the progression of this nakedness. So when he was, you know, a baby or even just crawling, um, we would always like let him play naked, like around bath time, like afterward type thing. We'd always call it naked time, and he would just be in his room and, you know, just kind of being free and doing doing his thing, and that was cool and then as he's gotten older now that he's you know 4 it's just funny because it's progressed like out of that it's it's not just at bath time and not just after bath time or anything like that it's it's like you know at home just just watching tv and all of a sudden I'll look over and he's completely stripped down and it was funny because at first just because in my more conservative upbringing like we weren't just walking around our house naked like that wasn't a thing but it also wasn't a need I didn't feel like I needed to do that as a child so it never was something that was brought up so in the you know the my brain, I just was like, kids wear clothes, you're naked at bath time. And then as I've raised my son, it's like, he's just trying to strip down any chance he gets. And so it cracks me up that it started off with, you know, he'd be naked, and it would be like, you know, contained to his bedroom for like an hour or something, or like in the bath or after a bath before bedtime or something. And then it became just like, anytime we were home. And then it would be like me trying to get his clothes back on him. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it didn't. And then I kind of loosened the reins on that. And I was like, okay, why am I, who cares? We're at home. It's just me and him. He can be naked, right? So then now he's naked. Then next thing you know, I would we'd have our front door open and we have an enclosed front porch and it has a ton of windows. And It would just, I would look over and like, then he was naked on the porch and then it was like, oh no, well, you can't be naked on the porch. You can only be naked inside. Like, this is our house. You can be naked here. But if you're out there, then maybe someone will see you or maybe, you know, anything, you know? So so I'm like, no, no, no. That's the rule. The rule is you can't be naked on the porch. And then that started changing because that was becoming more of like this, this fight and the struggle. And I had to kind of go back to my drawing board and think, okay, is it really the end of the world if he's on the porch naked? You know, no. So then it was, okay, fine, you can be on the porch naked, but, you know, you have to wear clothes at dinner, you know, you can't all be sitting at the dinner table and you're just naked at dinner. That's not something that we're going to to get into. Well, then that became a thing. And it was like, then I was lucky if he was like even eating his dinner or coming to the dinner table. So then it became, okay, you can eat naked. Let me just like text our neighbor next door because our dining room table faces the window that faces their kitchen and they can see right into our house. And I was like, hey, apologies for, you know, the toddler ass hanging out in the window. Um, and, you know, they had a good laugh about it. We have really awesome neighbors. But it just made me laugh like, okay, well, I guess now we're going to be naked at the table. So maybe... Maybe I should just put out a disclaimer to the neighbor. And then it became now not just naked at the table, but now he sometimes wants to like sit on the table. And like that's where we've like hard drawn the line. It was like, listen, I can get down with all this other stuff. I think bare ass on the table when we're trying to eat dinner might just be a little bit of a stretch. So all this to say, it's like just going back to the drawing board time and time again, about why am I clinging on to these weird things? Like, no, you can't be naked. Like, who cares? It's his body. We're at home. No one's over. And then it becomes, you know, also just the kind of kid that you have. Like, I would never have these kinds of conversations if I had a kid that just wanted to, like, get dressed when I said and wear the clothes and do the things. And, you know, I have the kid that challenges all of that stuff. I remember um, toward the beginning of our occupational therapy journey, um, We were leaving to go to occupational therapy. I was getting him dressed, you know, probably because he was naked. Um, Getting him dressed and I wanted to comb his hair. Now, I know I've talked about this before because I am a hairstylist. So I've always been able to like just style my son's hair very basically, like basically get a little spray, wet it down, comb it in some direction, possibly for going out somewhere, maybe throwing a little bit of pomade just to keep it out of his eyes but nothing you know nothing crazy we're not doing some kind of crazy hairstyle but just a little something just to like help him you know look a little more polished and put together it's never been a struggle ever up until this day this moment it was never ever a struggle and you know i'm trying to get him out the door we're running out of time and and i said something to him about you know combing his hair and for whatever reason on this day he was so strongly opposed to me even touching his hair, and his head. I mean, he had bad head that was just like standing up on end, like just looking look at a hot mess. And I, you know, I so I was kind of like starting to bargain with him, like, okay, come on, like just like let me, like, what if I just do the spray, or like, what if I just comb it, and and he was just digging his feet in. And it's one of those moments as a parent, or I guess otherwise, if you can relate in other areas, where you're like being met with this opposition that it's like rocking you a little bit because it's never been a problem up until this point. And I'm going like, what is going on? Like, why is he, why does he care about this? And I just said, you know, come on, we got you to brush your hair. And then it turned into why, why do we have to brush my hair? And I said something along the lines of like, well, we're, we're going to OT, you know, we're, we're going somewhere. And his response was something along the lines of, well, why do I need to have my hairbrush to go to OT? And I think I said something like, well, you know, we're going somewhere and it's always nice to just, you know, look put together when we're leaving the house and that type of thing. And he said to me, he like kind of stopped what he was doing and looked me directly in the eye. I'll never forget it. And he was like, mom, what's going to happen if I go to OT with bedhead? And this wasn't like, like a, a why question. This was like, what's going to happen? Like as if he thought that there was like a real concrete rule, like the cops were going to be called or something if you have bedhead outside of the house. And in that moment, it was as if he was taking a giant mirror and just holding it up to me because it made me realize it doesn't fucking matter it doesn't matter if you have bed head and you look a mess. It doesn't matter if I don't get to comb your hair. And it was all of a sudden like, wow, this is not about him. This is not about the hair. This is about me. Why do I feel like this has to happen right now? And deep down, it was very clear to me, that I was worried about what it would look like as a reflection on my parenting, that my child's out looking a mess, and those looks from people like, wow, like you didn't even brush your kid's hair, or wow, you're going to really let them wear that out. or, And I realized that this is a deep down insecurity of mine, and it had nothing to do with his hair. And it was just that expectation of me having these you know, adorable children who all just had their hair brushed just so, and the perfect outfit, and all these things. And then all of a sudden, when your little, you know, three-year-old at the time is looking at you saying, "What's going to happen? Why can't? Why can't I do this? Why is this a rule?" And I had to look at him in the eye and say, "Nothing. Nothing is going to happen to you if you go to OT with bedhead." And his eyes lit up. He was like, "Yes! Like awesome! Great!" And he was a little confused. Like, "So, so I can wear bedhead? Like I cannot comb my hair?" And I, I'm like, "Yeah." you cannot comb your hair. Now, it wasn't that easy. That makes it sound like I was like just cool with everything. No, like internally I was screaming cuz my ego inside was like, "No, he looks like a mess." But I think as a hair stylist, someone who's, you know, used to combing, you know, the hair and making it a style and and just having that, you know, I'm picturing like his little baby face all these years me having, you know, having that control. And then all of a sudden he gives me that pushback and it made me realize like this stuff is not important. And it challenges you to dig deep and look at yourself and go, why am I holding on to these things that just frankly don't matter and they don't fit? And it's making stress on myself. It's bringing anxiety to my child um, when it doesn't freaking matter. You know, and then it's since then it's progressed even to like some days if he was in pajamas and we had to go to OT or something, and he's like, I want to wear pajamas to OT. And it's just like, again, same little sirens in my head are flashing. And I just have to stop and say, does this matter? Okay, what's it? What does it matter if he wears his pajamas to OT? You know, I we made a compromise that they had to be new pajamas, so he wasn't going in with like last night's funk all over his pajamas and whatever. But yeah, it's like who cares? And I think having a child like my son Vaughn, who challenges everything. It just is this is this mirror, and it really shows you really clearly the things that matter and the things that don't. And as much as um, I will even be as vulnerable to say as becoming a mother and my journey in motherhood has not been anything like I thought it would be. Um, and to be honest, a lot of days... I don't love it the way I thought I would because it doesn't come as naturally to me as I thought that it would have, which was a huge reckoning because of all the babysitting and teaching and things I'd done in the past. But just to be honest about what it triggers in me and the way that his personality and his needs trigger me and my traumas and my baggage and my needs and my preconceived expectations and notions of what I thought this whole journey would be like and look like and he is just in all of his essence stripping it all down and as much as some days I'm like oh my god can I just have that you know textbook child who like sits and like is humming quietly, you know, doing a puzzle on the floor and doesn't, you know, need this and need that. And yes, it on my hardest days I am like, why, why me? Why am I why do I have to negotiate every single second of every day? But then I wouldn't be getting these lessons and I wouldn't be having these conversations and I wouldn't have this mirror being held up to me to level up and be the best person that I should be. And having a child that hits all your buttons and having a child that, you know, just will not go quietly and is going to be a a world changer. He's absolutely going to do something magnificent for the world and this community and, raising that can be so challenging, but also the best gift to yourself and your becoming and your life. And it's something that you could have never seen, you know, looking forward from when you were a child thinking about being a mother. And now that I'm in it, it's something I never could have predicted. And it's been the hardest, but the absolute best also. Um, currently we're having issues with his sleep where, um, I think in the last month, of course, cause why wouldn't it be when we have the birthday party and the birthday and the back to school and back to work and all these things going on, you know, I don't think he slept through the night in over a month. And that has not been the case in probably two years. Um, he was not a very steady sleeper probably until he was about, I would guess like a year and a half old. We were still kind of waking up, you know, at least once a night with him. And, you know, finally it's been, he's always loved his crib. He's always loved his bed. Um, It's never been an issue about like where the sleeping arrangements took place. But, um, and he slept, he's been a deep sleeper through the night since then. Getting him to go to sleep and turn his brain off has always been a little bit of a challenge. But once he was out, he was out. And having a child that pushes every button, that time... That you get when your kid's in bed is like sacred. And I know that you guys listening out there totally relate to that, right? Like that is your time. And I think because I've been rocked so deeply by the parenthood journey, um, having some time and control over my evenings has been like my saving grace, even though when I say control, I mean like watching shit TV and eating like ice cream. (laughs) But still, um, I always have lofty plans for my evenings that usually goes awry, but that's fine. Anyways, so lately, he has been waking up once a night and... Usually it was like some, you know, trouble sleeping or nightmare type situation. he's been very, very, he's a very active mind and a very creative mind. And I think, you know, that's playing into his dreams. Anyways, now it's become where he's physically getting out of his bed and coming into my husband and I's room and into our bed. And our house was built in 1912. We have very small bedrooms and we have a queen size bed in our, in our bedroom. And so now we have my husband and I, who are not necessarily small people, and then, you know, my son wedged in the middle. And, you know, he just pops right in there. He's got his pillow. He's got his lovey. Sometimes, he, like the other night, he brought a giant brachiosaurus stuffed animal that I eventually just tossed onto the ground because I was like, this is like a a fourth person at this point. Um, Usually there's a cat somewhere at our feet in the bed. I mean, it's just... It's been, you know, a pretty packed party for bedtime these days. And then, of course, my husband and I sleep has suffered because of it. We are waking up at least once when he comes in the bed, and then we are laying like we are, you know, in a coffin like on the corners of the bed trying not to roll off, and no one's been sleeping. And I just had a full-on, you know, adult tantrum, I think it was like two nights ago at this point, with my husband about, I feel like we have a newborn again, like the amount of vigilance it takes to to parent my son daily. I'm lucky if I throw in a load of laundry or get a, a healthy-ish meal you know, prepared because in order to do so, you have to set up like 10 different options to keep him occupied because he's such a wild card. You never know what's going to stick. And sometimes even like the tried and true things don't stick. And he just is very hard to... Um, have a to do list with it. Just doesn't really fly in our house. So, um, it's been so hard to parent that way. But then we always had our evenings to catch up, and now we don't even have our evenings to catch up, and now we are exhausted again. And it's so reminiscent of those early stages with a newborn, where you are like running on fumes and. Now I don't even drink caffeine because of my anxiety. And it's just been, I'm like, I miss like, you know, just pumping my veins full of coffee in the morning to get by. But that is not the case either. So again, these expectations of realizing where we're at and breaking up with the idea of like, okay, you know what? This is just where we are. He used to sleep through the night. He's not doing that anymore. How can we go back to the drawing board? Um, In fact, if you're hearing any kind of pounding, it's because my husband is upstairs right now building his... Um, revamped big boy bed because he was telling us that the bed he was in which was quite small um, was a nightmare bed and that's why he didn't like to sleep in there and he had to sleep in our big big boy bed is what he was calling you know our our bed in our bedroom so he we kind of asked him you know he's four years old now he's very well spoken for his age and we just said like listen, This is mommy and daddy's bed, you know, and we need our sleep and you need your sleep. And we've all been so tired. And, you know, how can we help you? How can we support you? To get that sleep, and he said, you know, he needs, he doesn't want his nightmare bed anymore, and he wants a big boy bed. And so, while he's at grandma's, which he's there right now, we are we went shopping, we got the bed, we are assembling it, and by we I mean my husband. Shout out to my amazing husband Tom, who is upstairs doing that right now. So, um, again, I think it's just breaking up with that expectation of you know, what our nights look like and going back to the drawing board and realizing like, okay, that's what was and that's not flying anymore. And how can we show up better for him? How can we support him through this? Because clearly he's having a struggle. This was never a a problem until a month ago. So, you know, that's been going on. And again, it's just having that kid that really goes against all the quote norms, maybe isn't the kid that you read about in the baby book and what you thought of going into your parenting journey. So um, having a a child like that, too, I mean, you're just constantly, I feel like, comparing yourself, right? Looking at everybody else and then judging yourself, judging your child, which I hate to admit, but it's so true. It's like, why is he so difficult? Why is he so this? He's so that. And I don't even believe those things because I think he's wonderful in his own right. But again, it's just... Constantly having that expectation of what you think a kid should be, what you think a parent should be, and then realizing does this even serve me? Does this serve me in my parenting or my child for their personality? And being willing to be flexible and change some things that maybe are holding you back from having those breakthroughs or seeing your child for who they are. I recently read something about. Um, about good and bad children, which I know I mentioned in the last um, the last podcast, but I hate those labels. And essentially what a good child is, is somebody who just doesn't have needs. It's somebody who doesn't need anything from you. You know, anytime that I babysat and the kids were good, it meant that they'd never pushed back. I said, go to bed. They went to bed. They didn't get out of their bed. I said, no more movies. And they said, okay. I said, here's what's for dinner. And they ate it. Those are when I would say, oh, the kids were so good tonight. And I'm challenging all of us, myself included, to break up with those words because why can't they be needy? You know, I have needs. I'm an adult. And I think I've grown up thinking that having no needs and just being likable and being someone who can get along with everybody and who can just kind of you know be a people pleaser and be a peacemaker those to me were the desirable traits when in reality, I was a spitfire like my son too. And why didn't I cultivate that? Why didn't I grow up thinking that my opinion having an opinion and demanding, what I needed and not settling for what I don't need was good. Why is, why does that make it bad? And I think it's something that we all can kind of sit with those moments where we're being triggered by these children that don't just, you know, like I said, quietly sit and do a puzzle you know can we maybe look at them differently can we look at that sassiness as somebody who's going to grow up and not be pushed around at a frat party or at in the in the boardroom or you know anywhere in their lives that they're going to be a fierce mama bear to their children one day or they're going to be you know incredibly successful in their business or an entrepreneur like can we think of it differently can we challenge our expectations for how we want our days to go with our children and the things that they challenge in us, and then maybe flip the script, right? Um, I think it's just so important. And I, and I always have to, I mean, honestly, it's a daily struggle for me because I'm pushed so to my limit every single day with my child. It's like this weird limbo of gratitude for everything he brings to my life and complete. Um, I don't even know the word, I mean, complete despair <laughs> is that fair to say? Like, just feeling like I'm at my wits' end, like, I can't take one more second. Um, but I guess that's where you try to have to, you know, you have to claw your way out and find the light when you're in those. Despair moments, and you have to look for the gratitude and look for the hope, and you have to flip the script and see it in a different light. We have to break up with those expectations, and it's a hundred percent a grief. It's it's seeing your life differently than you th- you thought it was going to go. It's seeing your child differently than the way that you envisioned a child being. It's seeing yourself differently than the way that you envisioned yourself being, and realizing that it's not good or bad. It just is. And allowing all the feelings that come up with that. You know, I know as parents specifically, we can feel so guilty sometimes for the negative thoughts we have about parenthood in our own minds. And I'm telling you, it's okay. Allow those feelings and then move past them. Find a way to, you know, evolve your thinking and get past those heavy moments and those triggers and those expectations. Because on the other side, there's a whole different, you know, world of of skills that you can learn that you can bring forth in any area of your life to just break up with those expectations and stay present in the moment and keep growing and keep, you know, compromising with your child to for everybody's needs to get met regardless of what the expectation was. Um there was one last thing I wanted to leave everybody with and that was recently I was talking to my friend Annie and she was saying She sent me some quote, and I think I shared it on the account, but I'm not quite sure if I did. And of course, I can't find it now, so I'm going to paraphrase. And it was um, about how we basically judge our life's plan and our life's expectation against some model that we preconceived when we were a completely different version of ourselves and about how we need to offer ourselves some grace that maybe we're judging our life because we thought by this age or by this point it would look like this or we would be like this or we would act like that or we would have kicked that habit or whatever, any of those things, and realizing that at any given moment in our life when we made that pact with ourselves and we laid that groundwork for that expectation, we weren't who we are now. And we weren't in a pandemic. And maybe we weren't a parent yet. And maybe we weren't at that job yet. And maybe, you know, I know a lot of friends recently that have lost parents. Maybe we weren't in a state of grief in that moment. And I think it's so important to just kind of give yourself grace and not hold yourself to these unattainable standards that were made by a completely different version of yourself. And it's something that we can all sit with and go back to the drawing board. Um, I love... The account at upbringing.co on Instagram and Kelty from um, upbringing always says, tear up the script. You know, when can we tear up the script and write a new one that serves us better? And I think that's what we all need to do with those expectations. Um, again, if anyone needs to reach out, if something connected with you, if you'd like to share your story, I would love to hear it. Um, you can reach me on Instagram at grow.up.ig or you can shoot me a Gmail um, at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. And hopefully I will hear from you all soon. In the meantime, just keep growing up. Talk to you later.